for centers. Oh. Live. Oh, Katie, back in the middle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So this is, uh, I don't even know which episode of Drinks and Dogs this is, but I had to bring back the original crew, uh, KD and Nesbeth. So thanks for being on, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks. thanks for having us. Cheers. So as usual, you know, we kind of just talk a little bit and then we'll go into, um, you know, some of the questions that we got from the Q&As. I got a few here. Uh, and I know, like, you know, Katie has, um, or Nesbeth has some questions, and I know we have some other topics that we're going to talk about. But, Shivan, how's, the, how's everything been going with you guys? It's going good, man. Going good. Staying busy. Uh, really busy. So we, we, we got the sun, finally. The sun came up to the north. Getting toasty out here. I'm sweating. So, you know, we're happy staying, staying working. Yeah, it's that Florida is, we're back in sweat box, sauna box. <laughs> Like, it's unreal. And it's so funny because, you know, you can use the dogs as a really good metric and a gauge as far as the climate change. Um, especially, you know, working dogs on a treadmill. You know, I keep track. I'm a nerd. Like, I got charts and I keep track of how long, how far each, the dog went, blah, 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 top speed. And watching as the temperature changes, the performance kind of take a dip. And and, and you're, I'm, you're right there on slap mill. You're watching the dog. You're um you're, you're you're working with them you're not like leaving them and yeah. just monitoring their, their the salivation and when like whoa you're feeling this yeah it's not january anymore yeah that's like the that was one of the cool things about we got the dog trotter uh i think it was like the the evo like the the bigger one with that little speed speed monitor on there that's what I got. For the longest time before that shit broke, like, like we were literally just like da like data nerds. Like it was literally like, okay, we got top speed for this long, and like started like looking at like what their accelerations were, and like making like basically doing like high intensity interval training for the dogs. And then that's what we noticed when we moved to like Morgan Hill down here. It's just a little more, it's a little hotter, and it's just like more dry heat. And then we were in that that warehouse, so we just kind of seen how the dogs just kind of adapted to it, especially like during the summer. I was like, ooh, like started seeing like the numbers kind of decrease as far as length of speed, length of time and speed in that area. I mean, I, I, I think it's a really important concept to that all dog, all dog owners, pet dog owner doesn't matter, you know, should be aware of. And it's like, you know, how does the environment affect your dog and being aware of your individual dog's physiology, your individual dog's tolerances, and you know one of the worst things people can do is take a dog who might find it a little challenging and down here in florida like they keep them in the air conditioning all the time and it's like no you got to get that dog outside you got it and, and i don't mean push them but i mean just get them outside let them spend an hour outside chilling relaxing and acclimating to the condition if you bubble wrap the dog he'll forever be fragile and then what if something happens? What if your air conditioning goes out? What if there's some type of situation you find yourself in through just life? And now your dog could really benefit from being uh, more acclimated because you invest a little time putting them outside. You know, yeah, of course, you do have to be extra careful with the brachiophilic dogs. Um, I probably said that wrong. But, you know, like your French bulldogs, your yeah. English bulldogs. You know, you have to be aware that there are some serious limitations there that 
could have really dangerous outcomes. But even more, that dog could sit outside with you every day for a little bit within his limits so he can learn how to adjust. Dude, 100%. We get a lot yeah. of, like, we do a lot of those brackets of fellas dogs. Like, we're here all the time. Like, Frenchies and, like, American Bullies are huge over here. So we get a lot of them. And you see, like, them just overheating at, like, 70 degrees. But, Nesbos, because you work a lot with, like, obviously, like, law enforcement. Um, you know, the one thing, like, I talked to somebody about this, like, a year ago or something like that. We were working, like, this narcotics dog. Like, I was working with another trainer. And it was, like, 110 degrees. And I was talking to one of my clients. I was, like, like, what do you mean you're outside and like you're outside in the heat with the dog like and they have to do this I was like well yeah i mean you got to kind of have them be able to prepare to work in any environment obviously you take proper precautions but i mean do you guys work you have to you deal with a lot of that stuff too yeah so up here it's it's big like we only have a couple months where it's actually hot out right so all the dogs are you know with the cold they're they're, they're used to that cold weather um and if we baby them through those those couple months of where the temperature is actually you know we get it gets pretty warm like we get 90 degrees out here you get um, humidity too it, it, exactly so if, yeah. if we're babying them through and they have the whole year where it's cooler temperatures and they can only operate in that then performance your actual working performance drops um just overall health you know to me i think that it, it's like us you know if we exercise and we run 5k indoor on an indoor track where it's air conditioned and then we go outside and try and run two kilometers in the heat uh that two kilometers is gonna be a lot harder than that that uh 5k in the the fuck is a kilometer speak english you fucking maple leafer I've, english in english that's what we use the english use kilometers as well <laughs> system. Fuck is the only system that makes sense metric system <laughs> no i went to canada what a couple of years ago to go uh, visit a kennel i went up to go uh, visit elite and okay. you know i rented a car and I get in the car, and I rented the car in Detroit. So it's a, you know, and I'm American. <laughs> yeah, and I'm driving in, and all of a sudden, all the fucking speed signs are in these <laughs> kilometers, and I'm like, what do I do? I don't want to get pulled over in a foreign country. I mean, you know, <laughs> I know. You know the Canadians will be like, "Excuse me, sir, please. I'm, you know, you know, you're really driving a little bit faster than you need to be. Are you okay?" <laughs> I still didn't want to have that conversation with a Canadian cop. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fucking that. Yeah, kilometers is the way to go. You guys will get there eventually. You know, you guys will. Uh, you know, unsophisticated Americans here. So. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> Uh, so that's funny, I, you know, bringing up the heat too, and we talk about like different working breathing and everything that I know uh, you posted that video of that Neo the other day, you know, working with that, like that dog, like that's super, I mean, you know, yeah. especially like in the heat, man, those dogs are, that's, that's like, how many, how, how long did you were able to work that dog for that long? So, so, you know, he's a Neo, he's a bigger dog, heavier dog. Um, what we end up doing, like it, I, I put a lot of responsibility on the handlers as well. Like, you know, you, they're going to be able to observe things quicker than I will as the decoy or the trainer because it's their dog. So if they see anything that's out of the norm, like, you know, usually at that point, it's too late. We want to stop before the dog. We want to push thresholds a little bit, but nowhere near where the dog's going to be overheating. Um, so we'll really short, quick sessions with a dog like that. Um, get them out, work them, put them off, uh, put them away, let them cool down, you know, let them sit until that, that panting and stuff stops. So we're panting and we bring them back out. Um, really short sessions. That's 
usually the, the go-to, especially with, you know, like a Neo or a bigger Mastiff breed like that. Um, but yeah, it, it's important for, you know, handlers and owners of the dogs to, to be aware of, uh, of things like that and be aware of, you know, potential dangers and, and things that they can do to prevent it from getting too far. Um, yeah, that's like, that's a, so that's one thing like I deal with a lot because obviously I deal like in personal protection. So, you know, I'll see a lot of the different variety of like the Mastiff breeds we see now a huge influx in like the Dutch Shepherds, the Malinois. And like, I get the common thing that I talk to, like some of the clients are like, well, I want my dog to be like, you know, your dog like did this. I was like, well, you got a Conor Corso and like, that's the Dutch Shepherd. Like you got to gauge the expectations. <laughs> like this dog's not going to be able to work on a 15 minute bite. Like, you know, we can probably get them there some, with some conditioning if you work them, but like most, it might not be the best for that dog. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the, the, but like the issue at hand is that a lot of, you know, that, that takes you to have some principles to say that. A lot of people yeah. want to sell more than they actually want to improve or, or be honest with people. So a lot of them will say, oh, yeah, I can take your nerve bag dog that you got from the shelter last week and I'll make it like a Navy SEAL dog. It'll do all the oh, Navy God. SEAL dog stuff, right, as selling points. Um, and it, unfortunately, people fall victim to that. You know, people buy what, like, oh, he said he can do that. But this other trainer um, said that my dog can't do it. So I'm going to go with the one that said he can. Yeah. I mean, that's like the biggest thing is like transparency. And like that's like the, the huge thing, especially like when you just divvy up. I mean, this morning, like I worked like a Dogo and then we worked like a, a I had a, it was like a Dutch Shepherd Mal mix. And then like, then we worked like a German Shepherd and then we worked some other Dutchies, but I was just like, it, it, talking to clients individually, I'm like, okay, cool. Like this is your dog's threshold. Like this is where they can go. This is what they can't do. Um, you know, if you want me to work your dog on a bike, you know, give him ground pressure for 15 minutes and your dog is chompy and moving all over the place. I can't fucking do that because that's not what your dog can do. You know, like that's just something you're gauging expectations and being ex extremely transparent is, you know, something we just, we've, you know, we had to do because, you know, like you said, you know, there's a lot of, what do, what do they call it, like snake oil salesmen here? A lot of, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people who are just going to be like, <laughs> where, if that's the term, tons, tons. Well, especially when you get into the world of personal protection, like that, those two words have been used to justify, rationalize, or explain such shitty training. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm not saying every, obviously, that that's what everyone's going to fuck know. But the thing is, like, you see that like there's bite work, which is teaching a dog to bite and to use various skills, tactics, drives, you know, states of mind to accomplish a goal. Well, what is that goal? It depends on the context. And yeah. now throwing the word personal protection out, I see so many, especially with social media being the way it is, you know, people doing just bite work. And I'm not saying that the bite works bad. I'm just saying, well, that's all you're doing. You're just teaching a dog biting techniques. That's not personal protection. Personal protection is a rule set within a specific context. That context is not law enforcement apprehension, not military whatever protocols that unit's doing. No, personal protection is a civilian-based context where obedience, handler awareness, all these, like, that's personal protection. It's not just show me a dog on a bite table or a dog on a tie-out and you're slapping your, your shirts in sleeve with a stick and calling it personal protection. Like, and people right now are just 
like people who don't know any better, there's a lot more of that out there than should be. And it, it takes people down some really dangerous roads um, in, in terms of one, the money that they're spending for something that isn't what they think it is. And two, false senses of security. Like I don't fuck around with someone's personal safety. And if someone is dependent, like you don't, it's like selling a gun, you know, doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing you all even bring into like the, even to like, you know, into the conversation with that is like, you know, personal protection, you know, what is, what is personal protection? It's like when we teach like our clients, like one, we teach the dog's technique first, show the dogs how to bite, how to overcome different obstacles, different positions, you know, working when they're tired, working when they're weak, because that's shit that they're going to have to do. And then secondary is like, okay, how does the handler respond to that? You know, like, you know, what we do with a lot of our dogs is when they get to a certain level is like we teach the handler how to like subdue somebody, like, you know, utilizing jujitsu, utilizing these different things, how to help their dog in that manner versus just sending their dog into the line of fire and be like, all right, peace out. <laughs> I, I got you. Um, we're going to go from here. So, you know, it's like you said, you know, it's personal protection, which is, you know, I think the handlers themselves need to be, you know, educated in that as well and understanding like how to, how to deal with those situations. Cause you know, when shit hits the fan, you know, stress goes through here and the thought process is not really there. So seeing the level of stress, like one on the dog and one on the handler, and because, you know, we deal with that, and especially being in California when, you know, gun laws are so fucking crazy. California oh, cut them off. Oh, California, California fucking cut, cut them off. <laughs> These motherfuckers, dude. <laughs> Spencership, man. The fascism is real. Dude, oh, they so cut like, off. Dude, like being out here, like, you know, it's a, uh, you know, we're getting a lot of people in there, but I always tell people, like, when we're talking to my clients about personal protection, it's always like, okay, cool. Like, well, you have to know how to utilize that. It's just like, you know, KD talking about, you know, um, like the gun, the gun aspect, right? If you get, if you buy a gun, you have to learn how to use that gun. So, like, the same thing yeah. with, like, you know, personal protection dog. You have to, you buy a personal protection dog, the dog has to know how to use this tool. Too much gun talk. They're not. They're not happy. He said gun three times. He said gun, man. You get cut the off. gun thing, man. They just got me. But I, I was saying, like, yeah, no, teaching I, techniques. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm 100 on board with that. I think that like part of the other issues are, are are that everyone has their own definition of what a personal protection dog is, right? So yeah. when people contact me, hey, I, I want a personal protection dog. Uh, my first question is what is that? Like, what do you mean by a personal protection dog? Do you mean a dog that's a deterrent and bark at your gate so no one comes into your yard? Do you mean a dog that's gonna be with you and be social and be able to actually engage a threat and wanna meet, you know, violence with violence? Uh, like, what do you mean? What, what exactly is it that you mean? So I think, again, like with everything, establishing what that criteria is um, and then kind of fanning off to, hey, like now we can start working or, or no, I can't work with you. I, I'm, I'm not the one to help. You. Yeah. Um, or no, you can't handle a man stopper. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know what type yeah. of temperament that dog actually is, you know, and, and that's the thing, you know, people get these ideas, you know, they watch John wick three or something. And they, like, they want a dog that's going to like jump over buildings and like completely annihilate people. And it's like, let me get this straight. You're a, you're a civilian. You don't have any dog experience and you want a dog that has the state of mind where it believes it's superior to all other creatures on earth, including every other human it comes in contact with. You want a dog that will look at a bad guy without fear, 
without anything and just be like, I'm going to own you. Yeah. But you don't That's want 22. You want him to roll over on his back and submit and be a, a, a like you're talking about a type of dog that you don't even understand what it takes. Like, first off, you don't fucking need that. Two, <laughs> you couldn't handle that in your house because that's the dog you better be a partner with or you better have a, a, a certain kind of relationship with as opposed to, oh, I'll just I'll just bite him on the ear. Let his fucking alpha roll. Then we'll be like, spit in his mouth. Growl at him. Growl at him. Yeah. Spit in his food. That's right. You know? <laughs> no, you don't need that. And you couldn't handle it if you, if, you know, you need a dog that looks scary. And, you know, they got the FBI statistics. You know, they, they interview professional criminals. And as far as a, if the perpetrator doesn't know the victim, most of the time, like they will go past the house with the dog. They would doesn't matter. They don't know if the dog's trained or not. They just don't want to deal with that. It's not smart. It's it's a risk versus reward. You know, the only time you get into that is if, if you know if the perpetrator knows the victim. It's a personal crime. Well, now that's a little different. Now you might need a dog with a little more oomph. But a man stop a man stopper. It, you know, uh, it's funny because uh, we just shot this thing for Barcroft. Uh, they do like this thing called the Big Dog Show on YouTube, um, and like one of the things that they like, they send this whole sh uh, shot list. I might get in trouble for this. I don't really care though. Fuck them. Um, so like, <laughs> what happens with that is that you know, it's like they wanted like they wanted like all this like uh, it like they wanted like the dog to be like Ozzy, for example, like Ozzy to be like you know in the house, like being like cuddly, like what you're saying, Katie, and everything. Like all that other stuff, like so they wanted to see those things, and I'm like, dude, was like that's not the dog. I mean, like that's not the reality of it, and we're not going to publicize it. Like you can get these dogs that can, you know, one fight a man for 15 minutes, basically do jujitsu, be in like these conflict areas, do civil stuff, do all those other crazy things, and then be a dog who's going to be like, oh hey, I'm gonna roll my belly and be a lab, you know, for a second. Like it's not realistic, you know, for everyone to have that assumption, and you know, I think that's achievable. Um, you know, there's obviously like unicorns out there, but like in you know, the same part, like, you know, those dogs are, you know, they're different and you know, there's still manageable things that you have to do and put it out there. And that's the one thing that we, we kind of drew the line on it with it was that like, Hey, like, we're going to be as honest as possible about this dog. Like, there's not going to be any like, you know, bullshit about it. We're not going to go ahead and like, you know, I'm not gonna put my daughter on the kid's fucking back or like have like, you know, stuff like that getting pet. Like there's nothing that's going to go that way. And you know, I'm not going to bring the dog out and, like, the dog's going to be like, cool me. It's like, I'm his main decoy. I'm the guy that he, like, I'm literally, like, the lowest part of, uh, like, you know, what he thinks in ranking because he kicks my ass almost every single day. So, I was like, we just had to, you know, be straight with this. So, like, that's where we, you know, wanted to make sure the information that we were putting out there was, you know, extremely clear and very transparent with all that stuff. So, yeah, that's something that's super important. And that's the same thing we tell all of our personal protection clients. I'm like, you know, you have a dog who's one of your personal protection dog who will be make sure he's socially neutral. But I was like, you're not going to get the best of both worlds. It's just not going to happen. Um, and especially a dog who will engage and like do all those other things. You know, because people want that all in one stuff. And people forget that the dogs aren't programmable. You know, it's not, you can't upload a software and be like, do all that. Yeah. Like, not you, you yet. Can. Not yet. Dum, dum, dum. Elon's working on that that data link thing, so maybe it'll we'll do dogs first and just fucking GA. <laughs> we have to leave it to Elon Musk to actually do some like actual like that's some Blade Runner shit, man. <laughs> I can't even keep up with the fuck like with all the guys shit that the other guy does, man. It's like shit's like 
constantly, especially if they're out here too. Oh, you know you're getting a Tesla truck, big boy. I'm trying yeah. to. I want that fucking cyber truck, man. <laughs> throw throw a dog box in the back. Yup. I already got in road custom candles. I'm like, hey, I need a custom dog box back here for this fucking space truck. Dude. All right, you guys ready for some questions? Bring it. And let's also remind everybody who's watching right now, if you guys check on the bottom of the screen, it says ask a question. Don't hesitate to get in there, type it out, interact with us right here. Don't type it in the fucking chat. Type it in the spot where it says ask a question, and we can absolutely get to that for you. And and we're going to prioritize the questions that are asked there before the other questions. So here's a shot to get get answers. Boom. Yep. Let's get those... uh... See, do we have any on that right now? Let me look at the thing here. No, they've been writing them in the chat. Oh, they're in the chat. But they got put in the question part. We're ignoring them in the chat. All right. So you guys see that because I'm on the phone here. So I'll get the... This would be a fun one right here for, you, uh, for us right now. What's uh, What makes dogs least reactive? You can go first, KD. Oh Let's, Let's see how big the vein gets in Katie's neck. With this it's, that, it's big all the time. Let me tell you. Um, you can't even, I have to like flex my neck to get like, I like, actually I'm taking it. Like, <laughs> um, you know, right off the bat, now we get into nomenclature. What the fuck does leash reactive mean? You know, and, and a lot of people will instantly be like, you're a dog trainer. You should know what it means. I'm like, yeah, I've been around enough dogs to know that you can't use a term like that to summarize a million different types of dogs. Like, no, no. You'll know someone understands a little bit about behavior when they respond to that type of terminology that way. Like, wait a minute. No, don't late. And I tell people this all the fucking time. Don't label behaviors to me. Describe them. Because you you can't label it. You don't. If you had the ability to label it, you wouldn't be talking to me because you wouldn't need me. Right? So just describe what's going on. So, okay, leash reactivity. A dog who, when they're on a leash, displays undesirable, potentially aggressive behaviors. Okay. Cool. Now what? You know, he might just be frustrated because he's a spoiled, entitled prick of a dog and he gets everything he wants except for when he gets put on a leash and suddenly that leash is now restraining his ability to do what he does 99 fucking percent of the time. And now he's on a leash, he's frustrated. A dog is like a toddler mentally. Like you haven't taught him how to deal with frustration. You haven't taught him how to deal with stress. His threshold is so fucking low. He's basically just having a tantrum on the end of the leash. And you know, you can kind of diet, you can diagnose that when you ask some of those questions, like, well, have you ever seen him interact with a dog off leash? And sometimes they'll volunteer it. They'll say, I don't get it. He's so good if I take him off the leash. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, because now he can do what he wants. So I mean, that dog isn't aggressive. That dog isn't even fucking reactive. He's having a temper tantrum because you don't implement any structure or boundaries on him, and now he doesn't know how to handle that, and it's being shown as aggression. That's one of them. So what do you do with that? You go back home, 
And it's like, well, why does he have all this freedom? Well, because he doesn't cause a problem here. The problem's out there. I'm like, no, dogs, it, it isn't like problem, not a problem here, problem there. Like if you give the dog constant freedom and ability to make its own decisions, 98% of the time, when he goes outside, why wouldn't he still think he can make his own decisions? And so the leash reactivity you're seeing is him not appropriately dealing with his inability to make another decision. Like, I just want to go sniff that dog's ass. Like, <laughs> that's, just, that's just one. I'm not going to, I mean, we'll spend two fucking hours breaking that down. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's best. Yeah. I think, um, like one again, like Katie said, is defining what you mean by reactivity. Like in dog training in general, there's all of these terms, you know, protection dog, reactivity, aggression, that like we need to define what exactly with your dog you're talking about. Um, outside everything that Katie said, outside of that, um, you know, I agree with what everything he's saying, but also a lot of times reactivity um, can be directly related to insecurity with your dog and, and what they're doing because they're feeling insecure, right? So maybe it, it, it's not those lack of boundaries, even though boundaries is gonna relate that insecurity, um, but his display now, uh, that display of aggression that he may be showing can be to say, I'm really scared here, scare, I wanna put on my peacock feathers and be big and scary and scare whatever is making me insecure away. Uh, so again, without having the dog in front of us and, and seeing it or having a description of what you mean by reactivity, there's a thousand different ways that, that this answer can go. Um, but generally what Katie said, um, and then also that insecurity is usually the more common causes of uh, reactivity. And, and like the, the thing that we deal with constantly over here is like, you know, the, like just explaining what's aggression and what's reactivity. Because there's like, I got a dog, aggressive dog, he barks at the sense of the leash all the same, every single time. And he's like, he's aggressive. He's aggressive. He's definitely going to be aggressive. He's like, but he goes to daycare and he plays with dogs all the time. I'm like, is he aggressive or is he just reacting because he thinks that dog's a friend? And all of a sudden, we now we're building agitation because he's at the extent of the leash. You're not really correct enough for doing the things he needs to do. And now he's anticipating, like, oh, hey, I want to go, like, you know, case, I want to go smell that dog's butt, <laughs> like, over there. And I got to get there. So, you know, even like the differences and, like, you know, people understanding, you know, what is reactivity and what is actual aggression? You know, and what is the reactivity? Where does that reactivity stem from? Is it because he's frustrated he can't go over there and try to smell this dog's ass? Or is he frustrated because he can't go over there and try to attack this dog? And if that even stems from a level of aggression, whether it be insecurity or something genetic or whatever it may be. But even like, like you said, like, you know, like, you're looking, it's a, there's a billion different rabbit holes we can go down when it comes to, you know, leash reactivity. But I mean, I think like the, I mean, to sum it up, I mean, like what everything, what you guys were saying is that, you know, it's, Definitely falling back in love with Katie. It's like, you know, make sure we, we, you've got to learn how to make sure we're communicating properly so the dog understands, like, hey, I can't do that. Like, that's definitely a no. Like, like we're, we're not doing that. Even like going into foundation work, like people over here, you know, everyone's big on dog parks and fucking puppy socials and all this other stuff and like this fruit fruit thing of doing things. I'm like, like stop then you wonder why your dog wants to pull you across the leaf across the fucking ground and go ahead and play with this other dog because now they think every dog is cool with you know and we all know that like you know not all dogs are you know dogs are friendly with us but are friendly with certain dogs but not going to be friendly with everybody i mean you know when people want to break down like dehumanization of things like the nicest motherfucker in the world can hate one person this you know the other thing that gets me with dog like obviously the obvious with dog parks we all pretty much are like why um but 
the emphasis that people put on the importance of taking their dog to a dog park dude and and building engagement and everything else is like whatever with that stuff but i gotta go to the dog park twice a week because that's super important with, with these little puppies um and then you know a couple months down the line oh my god fluffy blows me off every time i talk to him and fluffy now wants to kill every dog with pointy ears because the german shepherd jumped on him at the dog park like just i don't uh, i don't i guess it's just a mixed up world that we're in that that takes priority to you know engagement and, and basic foundation uh training that's going to help you and your dog live comfortably for the rest of their life right what you prioritize is what's going to do the opposite to that i like no shit i don't i think i might, might have told you guys this already but i've had there's a trainer out here uh who's been telling some clients uh and I still, I still can't get the name of the person because I really want to have a conversation about it. But they're telling people that the dog needs to see a hundred dogs and a hundred people by the time that they're six months old. And like that's the thing, like that's happening. Like go to the dog park, make sure everyone handles your dog, do all this other stuff. I'm just like, where? And so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, ju- if it wasn't go to the dog park, and it wasn't be handled by a hundred people i'm okay with that if it was see a hundred dogs but you're not interacting with a hundred dogs you can be exposed to those dogs but oh yeah i'm the priority you see a hundred people be exposed to those hundred people but they're not handling you i'm still the priority then i'm okay with that trainer where that trainer to me if they're saying hey let a hundred people handle the dog and play with the dog and all these like you lost me on that like that's goofy to me but I think if, you know, seeing exposure, yeah, do that. Hell yeah. Exposure is everything. Like, that's the that's the part that got me. I was like, yeah, I was like, take him out to, you know, the downtown area, walk him around, walk him in the park next to the dog park, not in the dog park. Make mm-hmm. sure they see these dogs, but don't pay attention and engage specifically with you. But no, it was definitely um, play uh, and uh, have me held by other people. I I need to make a shirt. So I've been playing around lately with uh, trying to get some merchandise and stuff going. And you know, I don't want a house t-shirt, so I'm using like those companies, those direct print, direct order ones. Well, they're pretty cool because you can like make any design you want. So I got a couple. I got some cool stuff in the in the works right now. But I I, I totally want to make a shirt that says "Don't touch my fucking dog." Yep. <laughs> Just don't touch my fucking dog. That's all I said. Maybe I'm not. I'm not putting Socratic canine at the bottom of it. I don't, like, no, it's okay. I'll sell it on my website, but it won't have my name on it. <laughs> don't touch my fucking dog. Oh, oh that, that's uh... Hey, Mike, with, with trainers like that around you, giving out that kind of advice. Um, that seems like a great business opportunity for you. You know, you're going to stay busy. Let them talk to all the clients they want to and people that decide to go there. Um, it's more clients for you at the end of the day, man. So, oh, dude, it's fucking, it's, it's gnarly. I mean, we get so many people coming in now, especially with all the COVID puppies. Dude, it's, it's, it's getting, uh, it's it. if it wasn't busy before, uh, it's definitely extremely busy now, which is makes, uh, makes it super fun. <laughs> I'm reading the comments in the chat here. This guy, AA, says, what if it's a hot chick that wants to pet the dog? Well, come on, man. You need to learn about women because no will get you a whole lot more than yes. 
So, like, dude, I got an ebook on that coming out too. I charge extra though. Don't be so permissive. Play hard to get, dude. Don't let her touch your puppy. It goes both ways. Oh, that could be a double meaning. Yeah. Don't let her touch your puppy. <laughs> I don't have a puppy. I got a big dog. <laughs> this is gonna be one of those. This is gonna be one of those highlight reel, like uh, when like G and Roman, the back end team, like the like cut this up. There's gonna be a bunch of just like little one liners everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll be like, nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome. All right, you guys got a question? All right, I we have some questions. Today. Anything? I can't see the question box. Oh, there's four in here. Woo! What do we got? Let's see. Run them. Whichever one you guys want to pick, because I can't see it on my. Uh, Let's my just side. start from the top and, and work down. I think yep. we just. All right, we will hit on all the questions that come in through that question box. Perfect. Uh, I can't read them, so you guys want to, whoever wants to read them off. Yeah, yeah. Who's in charge of that? I'm in charge of that. Didn't, yeah, didn't, isn't there a way that we can click it and it highlights it for everyone to see? Our back end guys, can you guess? Oh, that sounded weird too. Uh. <laughs> Highlight reel. Highlight All right, I'm just gonna read off the read off the first one, and then the second one's a long one, so hopefully we can get that up. Um, best training treats. They're food. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, listen, I get fancy sometimes. I do. I do. And I think that's a really good question. Now, the obvious answer that all of us know when we tell our clients is their food. However, we can actually, there's some other nuances here. Um, I know I will use uh, baked chicken breast um, when I want to get fancy, when I want to up the level of reward. Um, if I have a dog who's got, okay, Elmo, right? The dog, the, the bully I got. You get him out in public, he's got some some issues, right? He gets worked up. And I, I want to sometimes, if I'm working obedience, like the first time I take him out to a new environment, I will bring a higher value reward. I will. And I, I want to just make the whole experience just better overall. Doesn't mean I don't use pressure, but I also use paychecks. And I'm not bringing kibble on that. I'm going to bring some chicken breast. Um because it's a higher value. Uh, another aspect where I will uh, try to avoid using food is there are certain behaviors that when I'm luring, using kibble's a pain in the ass. <laughs> if I have a dog, especially a young puppy, especially a puppy, like I don't want him going to the floor for food. I don't want him, because what will happen is you know, and, and pet owners, you guys watching this like this, I'm talking to you guys. Like these are little things that will help you. Um, if quickly and early on in your training, you're dropping kibble from your hand, which is inevitable if you're using kibble. Um, what's going to happen is you're working with this puppy. The puppy's trying to solve a problem and you're whatever your training is. You've created a problem. That problem is how to acquire food. And you're trying, you're luring possibly to help the puppy solve the problem. This is a big problem if you're shaping. If you're shaping, this is dramatically worse. 
because, and I, and I will explain. So if there's people falling out of your hand, there are gonna be moments where that dog is, oh, the dog's absolutely aware that kibble landed on the ground, where that dog or puppy will start to check out from you and continue to search for paychecks on the floor, especially if this happens repeatedly. Now, when you're luring, okay, because you're very, luring is a very much involved activity. It's why I don't do shaping with my clients when they start the program. I used to, I don't do it anymore. I don't do it anymore. Maybe at the end for some advanced stuff. I do luring because I want that dog interacting with the handler. I want them handler dependent for these movements, this communication. So when you're luring and you're dropping kibble, it's still a problem. It's not as big. Now, if you're trying to use the coolest new toy in dog training that isn't a fucking new toy at all because it's been around for quite some time. It's new, KD. It's new. Oh, it's new, my ass. Um, and you're shaping. And you're not involved in the process. You're free shaping. You're hanging out. You're letting behaviors occur naturally. You definitely can't have food falling on the floor because what's going to happen is when that dog suddenly runs into a roadblock and can't figure out what a behavior you want, they will instantly go, well, fuck behavior. Let's see if there was anything that was dropped five to ten minutes ago. And your dog is like searching and searching. I mean, it's great for odor. I mean, hey, you're, you're creating a dog who's got some, he's built his hunt drive right the fuck there. But he's not looking to you for guidance, that's for sure. And so if I'm in that type of situation, I might use like a Happy Howie's where I can, I can cut it into a bigger piece. I can hold that piece. I'm not dropping pieces and Happy Howie's doesn't crumble. And I'm not sponsored to say that, but hey, if they want to fucking email me, KD at Socratic Canine, I'll hook you know, we can it out. Um, I got the hookup, KD. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that I'll do that to make sure that I'm able to hold that paycheck better, that reward better. Um, when I'm doing recalls, I use kibble a lot of times with a puppy because I can hold my hand a certain way. They're just running to me and eating out of the cup of my hand when I'm imprinting those behaviors early on. Yeah, so um, along, you know, I think kibble as a primary reinforcer for food. Um, what I do outside of just kibble uh, is I'll also mix kibble, so different types of kibble um, inside my, my reinforcement, you know, pouch, my purse, um, as well as sometimes, depending on the dog, um, I'll put, like, dried liver. Um, you got to watch with it because dried liver does crumble. It's not Howie's. Um, but I, I'll mix it in. One of the reasons why I just like to mix it in is so it can be more random um, for me. When the dog gets a reinforcer, I don't know what they're getting. I just stick my hand in the pouch and grab something, and whatever kibble is in there or, or um, dried liver they get, they get. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's pretty much my answer on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I literally, it's just either, for me, it's either kibble or I use the Happy Howies. I just started using, uh, uh, well, I stopped using the beef and, or I started using the beef, stopped using the turkey and lamb because that shit crumbles now, but the beef one's the, the one, but, you know, everything that you guys said with that. I mean, like, the, and the other thing, too, we we worked, uh, well, it's funny thing is I talked to, I was working with the German Shepherd today and, you know, talking about escalation as far as value. You know, it's really important, especially, you know, with dogs who get fed by hand, like the dogs who work it like that. This dog was extremely reactive to me. Um, but, you know, food actually made, like for him, when 
nothing once he's gotten into that red like that that zone where he's like i'm gonna fucking i'm gonna fuck you up so what meant more to him at that point was like tug or like you know the tugs that he had and we basically within 45 to 50 minutes after the dog actually bit the handler trying to get to me like trying to get to me like the after using the tug and like using the process that we use like the dog was actually pretty cool with everything and going from there because we started with food and all, and then understanding like okay like what katie what you're saying like when you're out with like your elmo like when he's super fixated on like uh, other people or doing things like that or just you know whatever environmental stuff you know as soon as like you know understanding the the levels of reward uh and escalation of levels levels of reward from like okay here's kibble or you know here's you know whatever turkey here's you know happy hours and like okay now we got to break out the big guns and like okay we got to go into either this is like the tug or the ball or whatever they do like you know that's something that's important i think like for most people to understand too when it comes especially when it comes to rewarding you know your dog in different levels of environment yeah, so that like that's uh, like one of the reasons why I, I like to do that mixed kind of batch of, of reinforcers um, is because it's not predictable to the dog either. So they obviously they'll have a preference of of you know what kibble they just they like more or that that liver that they like more. Um, so that anticipation there, even if I, I reinforce them, uh, a lot of times there they might not be fully set. like, oh man, I really wanted that beef liver and I only got you know, a piece of kibble this time, but I know that beef liver is there and to go back into behavior, um, the behavior that I want them to do. Um, so that's a, a way that I use like higher level reinforcers, not necessarily specific to the environment, not that I'm opposed to it, um, but just for the behavior in general um, to keep them kind of almost on edge. Of, again, it depends on the dog what I'm that I'm doing it with and, and what I'm working on. Uh, but that's, that's how I use it. Uh, it's like that uh, inconsistency that makes them think they're gonna might get it. That might be the next one. Might be the next one type of a thing. Yeah, Katie's favorite word, uh, dopamine. Dopamine. <laughs> uh, I'm getting another beer, man. After that shit. <laughs> <laughs> dopamine. <laughs> dopamine, my ass. No, do no dopamine. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, did we did we figure out how to pin the questions at all or no? That'd be on our rumin in them. Let's see. How do we we've answered what says we've answered one. Yeah, I didn't know if we could like pin them and then everyone would like it would pop up for everyone, but let's see. Oh, here we go. Nesbeth, this is right up your alley. Police canine, two and a half years of service, four and a half uh, year old male spins and whines and barks at every moment of anticipated movement in the squad. Tried uh, dog tea, bark collars, dominant uh, dog, through kennel, um, into driver's seat, treats slow increments of movement. Second I get into the squad car and he lights up. Uh, it doesn't stop until I get out of sitting for 30 minutes. Um, chill in the kennel at home, chill everywhere else, uh, and something I just need to get used to. Um, I, I, I think from the question, the dogs, is it, well, I guess we don't, is it like the dogs barking or whining the entire time or after the 30 minutes, the dog's stopping? So I think like, I think it's like that general thing, like, you know, like a lot of like dog, like a lot of people like agitate within the vehicle. So the dog's just like spun up. Then the dog just like, gets spun up as soon as they think it's about to work. I think that's from what it from what it sounds like. I think this person actually asked me this question on Instagram too. So I think like that's 
I think the dog just yeah. anticipates space to work. Like, so there's a lot of detail in the question. Um, well, but it's a long question, which helps. Uh, my, like the biggest thing is if whatever that anticipate, like what's building anticipation in him, um, that's why he's whining and that's why he's barking and spinning up. Um, so if you identify if it's, I know sometimes like, hey guys, when they hit the lights on or they accelerate in the squad car, the dog's like, oh, I know what's about to happen, right? Um, if you're trying to stop that, you have to make that signal and that cue mean nothing. Yep. So if the cue is you turn the lights on in the car or you just get into the car, get into the car and get out of the car. Get into the car, get out of the car. Like you have to, whatever those cues are that are cueing him up, um, that's the like what I would try the, the first step. I know he said he tried bark collars and stuff with him. The problem that I find with bark collars for whining, um, maybe I just haven't found the right bark collar, um, but it doesn't usually. They whine right Yeah. And, and even if they're, they are getting stimmed, they'll, they can also, depending on the dog again. Um, so that would be my, like the biggest thing would just be identifying what that signal is that's making him start to have that anticipatory behavior and make that signal mean nothing. You know, uh, like we see it with pet dogs all the time. Like someone uh, grabs their keys to go outside, right? And the pet dog gets separation anxiety spun up and crazy and so worked up and the easiest way to combat that is grab your keys put your keys back down grab your keys walk around put the keys back make those signals mean nothing to the dog right um that's what i would do first that would be my first i think like like the other thing too like to add on to like obviously yeah, we don't we don't deal heavily right now especially with like law enforcement stuff going on but um you know the big thing too is like i always we talk about like gun neutrality right like uh, act like activating to like a pistol shot, like, you know, someone's shooting, um, you know, how do you create that neutrality so the dog doesn't care about it? You know, so like, you know, a lot of the times, like we do a lot of like the feeding during like those noises or like, you know, especially with the dogs that we, you know, the dogs that we bred and we sold here, you know, they feed during, literally they'll feed during like sirens and gunshot noises and all these other things to make sure that it's essentially like one, it's not like you're going to go out and bite. Um, and then you like start doing it outside of it, like just be so it becomes nothing until like the actual sound of what we need them to do is actually time to go. So you know, just creating that level of like you know neutrality to like those things until the actual like time to go is ready. There, and those are all things that like you know we've worked with and done too. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to that, like at all. The first thing that popped in my mind is what Nesbeth said. You know, because I don't deal with that, I don't work with law enforcement, but. Behavior is behavior, and it's like, okay, make it mean less. If, if, but if that's what you really want, so we always, we always gotta think of every angle, and we start moving things around in behavior. You know, you know, is that what you really want? Do you want a dog who has zero response to those cues, and? Or does that dog maybe need those cues to perform and to get into the, the state of mind because there's another area of training that needs to be built up? You suddenly desensitize that, you take the, the dog out on a deployment, and if there was another area of training that was lacking, that would be readily exposed at that point. I, yeah. Just my thoughts from yeah. purely theoretical. That's no, definitely anticipation, especially for a police dog, is. If he's he's anticipating getting out the car and going to work, whether it's to go to a track and 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 find someone to go do detection work. So if we stop start killing that anticipation, you know the behavior, the whining that he's showing is 
it, it's loading. Like that's his, he's building himself up in there and kind of almost like a pep talk for himself. Right. So if we start killing that, we have to be careful that we're not also unintentionally killing his performance elsewhere. Like KD. Mike and KD, I got a question for you guys. Random question. I was pondering the other day. I don't know if we talked about this before, but I've talked to a few people. And this kind of just reminded me, how do you guys go about, like, to me, neutrality is a really hard behavior to, 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 to actually build, right? If you, because like gunfire, for instance, right? I, and Mike, I'm like, I do the pretty much the same thing that what you're saying is I expose them while, while they're eating, not in a high drive state. Um, but ultimately, in my mind, maybe it's just like, it doesn't really affect the dogs in the long run, but just me being, you know, looking too deep into things. But I'm like, it's not really neutrality if I'm building positive associations with it. Yep. Right? Does that, does that make sense? Yep. They so actually like, create have, value you, in that. You guys have ways of building neutrality uh, or attempting to build neutrality, maybe like without, because it's like counter conditioning almost what we're doing when we're putting food. Yeah, counter conditioning is a neutrality. That's what yeah. I'm like. And it's so. Are there ways of building? I'm sure there are, but like how? For me, with regards to dealing with pet owners, um, because that's 99% of what I do, 0.999. It's neutrality is a byproduct of something else. So I work and I get this a lot with, now I'm very outspoken about i will not address i will not directly address or try to resolve aggression in my online programs i think it's unethical and irresponsible without being there to see the dog however i get people who they're like yeah okay that's fine i still want to do the program because i want to work on everything else and i'm like okay cool you know you're signing a waiver that i'm not helping you with the aggression you know well the aggression starts to decrease the re the, the leash reactivity starts to decrease they start getting more neutrality to strangers. Not because we're building neutrality. Because like you said, now, I mean, Nesbeth, now this could get into like some yeah. wonderful things. <laughs> like you can't build neutrality. It's a fucking byproduct. Now, what is it a byproduct of? Building desire, engagement, and focus on the handler. And suddenly you will get neutrality to these other things because they just aren't fucking, there's no value there. There's no reinforcement there. And it slipped from being reinforcing to being like, sure. Yeah. Well, then, I mean, thinking about like that too, like when we talked about like when we're reinforcing behaviors, like, you know, we talked about, or that's what you're saying about the, the gunshot stuff and we start doing, we're feeding them through that. We're still building value within that exercise. So the same part is like, you know, when you're going into like, have a dog who's super dog reactive and we're you know we're working on neutrality um you know and the dog's out and about and they're engaging with your owner like are we really building neutrality or is that just something we're building engagement in those specific environments and generalizing it um you know because you know that you know neutrality itself is one of those things it's like you know a lot of dogs i mean i think they have to have a certain level of like genetic like understanding to like actually have that little like social like compass of being like okay cool like i'm only here these people don't mean nothing, but that also builds into the foundation. So like neutrality itself, I mean, like, like the kid, you said, you know, it's, it's a byproduct of the work in the foundation that's put yeah. into the dog. Yeah. No, that, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. no I, I, I was just saying the same, like, 
I it's so in the working dog realm of it, like it's almost like building engagement, right? So with like a pet dog building engage, even a working dog building engagement, um, definitely the byproduct of the dog being f- so focused on a task, other things not as important to them, right? Um, yeah. So th- it's literally like a conversation I've been having in my head with my with myself for a while. Um, so. I'm going to try it makes sense in my head when I'm saying it. So bear with me. We'll, we'll get the words <laughs> out and it'll, it'll add up. So building that engagement uh, with that, that dog that you're talking about, Mike, um, to, and he's not really, you know, being reactive anymore. It's kind of like when, when in working dog testing, we're like, Hey, let me see the dog's environmentals out of drive, like without a ball. Right. Because we know that if we pull a ball out, the dog can be so engaged with that ball and like a green dog, right? So engaged with that ball that the environment at that point, they can kind of be neutral to that environment uh, because they're not taking anything else in. Is that like, you, we're on the same page? With, with yeah, that? definitely. Yeah. All right. That's, that's all. I just needed some answers for myself. Well, that's, just I mean, the other thing too. With, the, with the live right here. And the other thing too is like, you know, what's the marker? Like, that's what we, we work today. It's like, you know, they have the, the tug out, but like, are they looking at the tug or are they looking at the handler? Like, that's where like, you know, what we do, like, especially like in the pet side, like, you know, if the dog is looking at like the handler and they're like, oh, hey, cool. Like this guy over here, I wanted to murder like two minutes ago, but I'm looking at you, not this tug to get this reward is something different too. And like, that's where like, you know, the neutrality becomes a byproduct of the engagement that is, you know, trained in. So like, you know, now it's like, okay, cool. I'm looking at, Look at mom here, um, boom, you know, and, you know, within the end of the session, like the dogs are just, I'm, I'm talking, like raise my voice back and forth and the dog just kind of, you know, what quote unquote, like neutral to me um, because now like, but he also understands like that person's going to produce something that's going to be better for him, you know, with yeah. time over and over again is going to build a specific behavior. But I mean, you know, neutrality, at least for us here, means like, okay, cool, I'm going to engage with, you know, like, my handler, I can give a shit about that. Like these people, cause I just want, you know, our, our ideal is make sure like when my dogs walk out that unless told to like everyone else's furniture, like they're not, you know, it's literally can be a fire hydrant walking, walking by them. Like that's all we, we want them to engage up here. So, I mean, like, just don't piss on them. Yeah. They are. Fire, can't, hyd- fire can't hydrant. Just, depends if they're assholes. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So tomorrow I'll, I'll definitely do it tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going to post a meme on my Instagram it's one of my originals and it's completely on the whole subject of neutrality i posted it a long time ago there we go thank you for popping that up you guys are fucking sharp i know who's not drinking tonight um, <laughs> i'll click that link right there that our lovely like the people that are making this happen behind the scenes just put up there um and give me a follow i will post a meme up tomorrow that you all will love and i expect to see it shared <laughs> done there we go. So neutrality. That's a fun, that's a that it, that itself in a topic is its own little thing. Especially when you start to go like defer from like you know it's you know pet and working dog. All right. What's yes. the next question on that one? You guys can you, you guys want to read one? When you guys want to read that off? Pick and choose, fellas. All right, there's there's a comment, not a question. It says Katie needs a white claw. 
So we'll get that one out of the way, KD. That's exactly what I need. <laughs> KD's neck's going to explode. I'm surprised he didn't have it. His head didn't spontaneously combust at that moment. Why? Why would I give a comment like that that much value? I'm I have neutrality to horseshit like that. <laughs> Every time Katie eats, I repeat that comment to him over and over. So now he doesn't. He doesn't care. Now we're just neutral to it. <laughs> um, all right. Have y'all ever dealt with an insanely insecure, dash traumatized dog that couldn't help? that you couldn't help much at all. Same with aggression that's too far gone. Genetically screwed, question mark. Okay, do you wanna go? Um, I have not worked with one that was so scared I couldn't make progress. Um, and that's saying a lot because that's not even, I'm not even that good at that. Like, na like naturally me, as a human being, my DNA, my temperament, my mood, I mean, and I've still been able to get progress with every dog. And I tell people this all the time, like, I'm not a natural handler. Um, I'm not predisposed to be good at this. Um, I nerded my way through it. And it shows when I get in with, like, the sticky dogs. Like, they know I'm fucking squirrely, right? So that gets it, that's definitely a factor. So even that, even with that being said, like working with like fearful dogs or dogs that are sketched out, like I haven't, I've had maybe one that was practically a feral dog. Like I'm talking like straight up feral off an Indian reservation, you know, in upstate New York, the dog was living like wild and they took it in and it was, it was, it was private. Like I was working privately with them, which is even harder. Um, so needless to say, I'm not grabbing the leash that often. And when I do, it's what, once a week? And that's not, there's no relationship. There's no, you're trying in a snapshot to have an impact on that dog. But even just by changing the way the handlers and the owners like dealt with it, they were able to get improvements. Now, dog aggression, like, no dog aggression. Oh, fuck. I've had dogs where I'm like, yeah, I'm not even going to waste my fucking time. Like that dog has got an erection right now because he's so excited to go tear a hole and that dog is running <laughs> five miles away because the wind changed direction. His pupils are that big, it's a mouth, it's a faucet of clear saliva, and he's like, ah, 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 ah. like, no, that's a management situation. I'm like, we're not training that out. I mean, needless to say, that was like a heavily barracuda uh made a dog that someone wanted to not be dog aggressive. <laughs> the made a dog, did it have some man aggression too? He was a peach. He was a big boy. It was a big fucking boy. Uh, so like, that's pretty much what I built Primal Canine on. Um, I started, you know, in rescue, you know, super young and like going through like different dogs and like, you know, different with dogs with reactivity issues. And like for the longest time, I always thought like, you know, aggression was, you know, aggression was reactivity because I was young and not knowing the fuck I was doing. So I was still in like, like, early, I was like my early, late teens or whatever. Um, but I mean, like the big thing, like, you know, with us, you know, we, we learned how to like deal with those behavioral cases, you know, people who like, especially over here, because it's always like, everyone's like positive reinforcement. This is what it needs to be. If they can't fit this format, they got to euthanize the dog and all this other shit. So, 
you know, I made it kind of a mission to work with the dogs that were high level, high level risk cases. And then, you know, a lot of the times, you know, just based on like the foundations that they were given or, you know, being attacked one time, I go into a fucking dog part and now the dog's like, fuck dogs. I don't, I don't want, I don't want to do that shit anymore. Or someone just using, you know, heavy levels of correction and creating that, you know, insecurity in the dog, which created more reactivity uh, and, you know, just doing all these other things. But I mean, like I've, I, I would say, you know, we work, I work probably like 40 dogs a month, you know, and it's been seven, eight years in Primal Canine now. So, I mean, like the amount of dogs I've seen that have been genetically like unable to one, have impulse control to create uh, control, like their, you know, aggression or reactivity has been a handful. I mean, we've, you know, we've worked, I mean, it's just, it's all about like how the system works and all these other things that we do, you know, cause we take a lot of time into like putting in, you know, creating that very clear communication of like, you know, essential value and just like retainable value uh, into the dogs. But I mean, like, you know, like I said, like it's literally a handful of dogs. I've been like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, you got, you got a big problem. And, and then the other thing too, like what Katie was saying, is like, you know, management cases, you know, like, you know, there's certain things that you have to know that this is a management case. Like the people that want like, you know, the American Pitbull Terriers, like, you know, all this other stuff that we don't have tons, but they're a lot on the East coast. Like you have to understand like what genetics that you're getting and you know you can work the most amount of impulse control for the dog reacting by the same part you can't change like what's going to be like in their mind offset right away like there's certain levels of like management cases that you have to do like okay cool like you know like in my in like our house for example you know i got a bunch of like what people would call like alpha male dogs and like you know down here down over here and yeah if we were let them to you know do their own shit like that they challenge each other, shit might get bad. <laughs> it might get bad if we're not there, but we manage the situation um, to make sure that that's not that does never happen. So, I think uh, when people kind of get out of the the la la land um, thought process of like you know all dogs can get along and be friendly and all this other stuff and understand that you know some of these dogs have one issues they've ever been created you know if they've been through you know whatever they've been through and the lack of foundation or just genetic issues that they may just be just working with as well. I mean, there's certain things that a lot of people have to understand that like come into play. So, I mean, the, the big old, uh, the big, I guess the big thing would be is like one, you know, what foundations on the dog to, how are we been training? How, what have we been working? What managements are we putting into? And then understanding like, okay, like there's some genetic limitations there. Like you're not going to fucking have a Pomeranian doing, um, you know, full bites, digging in every single time on a fucking bite suit or. Hey man, watch some of those, those Pomeranian, them, those Pom skis. The oh, oh. <laughs> we have a few of those come through. I see a massive business opportunity. I think someone needs to put together a course diversity training for dogs. And like I'm talking fucking millionaire status in about three months. <laughs> there you go. Yep. So so my, my, my answer to the question is pretty much everything that, that these two said. Um I I think that every dog can benefit from training. Um, oh, yeah. if, if we change the mind state, uh, I've personally never met a dog in my entire career that was finished. Like that was done. There's no, it's a, it's not a start and an end. Um, it's, it's a start and continue. Right. So thank fucking God, thank fucking God. Um, they, that they should be a snippet. To, to the powers that be, that's a yeah, fucking Roman, Make sure you take that snippet out and fucking credit to <laughs> There you go. Um, so, yeah, they, they can all benefit from it. What it comes down to is where that dog is. Like, is that lifestyle? There have been cases, unfortunately, um, that we've had to deal with that 
the dog wasn't the right dog for the lifestyle and, and the household that they were in. Now that dog still can benefit from training. Um, it's a management case, but people have to be realistic with themselves. Like they have to say, hey, is this something that I, I can manage? Is this something that I, I'm willing to put in the effort and continue to do for the rest of this dog's life? Um, so that, that's kind of my answer. So, and you know, tagging on what Nesbeth said, it's like, so when we talk about finished dogs, or let's even talk about like boarding trains, for example, you know, like when you do a boarding train and you're working with like a pet dog and you're working with these things and there's certain expectations and the, the end of it's like, your dog will be fully off leash trained doing all this stuff. And like, you know, essentially that they're done and then you, you send the dog back home and you're dealing with like, you know, that in the, in the mind of the person, you know, they're thinking like, okay, I paid for this like service and this is what I'm getting at the end of it. Uh, the understanding of the continuous work that needs to go into it, like even like with working out, like as in people, the continuous work that needs to go into to maintain a specific behavior and maintain a specific be uh, function, you know, like that's something that's extremely important. And I think like that's a lot of times, you know, when you deal with like certain levels of like dog training, like a lot of people promise these things like, oh, hey, once the dog is done, this is here, they're done, they're finished. And, like I think it's really important. Like, again, like, you know, everyone, that, that's what the saying is like, you know, there is no end. You know, it's always continuous work and continuous like maintenance and progression. Um, you know, and that's something I think a lot of people should understand that as well. Boom. Boom. You know, this would be so much fucking cooler if we were sitting around a campfire. I'm just I, I'm not I'm not trying to derail us, but I, I just want to put that out there. Like I have this sudden urge to be sitting on a log and have Nesbeth over here with like like crickets chirping behind them and like a campfire and like a mason jar were passing around like fucking summertime like make it happen make it happen drinks and, and we gotta get jars out of california for that to happen like we gotta get them out yeah <laughs> i got some i got some stuff in the works guys i little after uh the first one i think one of the first conversations i had with mike with that it was like when we talked about like Drinks and dogs and PCU is like you know putting everyone together in one spot. So we've got a, uh, we've got some. There, and as long as it's not in Canada, because let me tell you something. <laughs> hold on, hold on. No. I've never been to Canada though. Come on. <laughs> listen, listen. I crossed that border three times in my lifetime. Right, 1998, 1999, and then 2018. Now, 98 and 99 crossing into Canada wasn't too bad. The first time it was two o'clock in the morning. I mean, like they were just like, come on in, boys. I did not like the way that they made me feel. And <laughs> it was, you know, I'm going, I was going to look at puppies. I was going to a kennel. I was going to evaluate some puppies. Well, what are you going to do with the puppies? And I'm like, well, I'm going to look at them. And they're like, so you're bringing one home? I'm like, well, no. They're like, you're from Florida. What are you doing up here? I'm like, well, it's a pretty prestigious kennel. Like, I really want to, some of my clients want dogs from them. I want to look at their stuff. So you drove up here? I'm like, well, no, this is a rental I flew. <laughs> Okay, so where are you going to put the dog when you go back? I'm like, well, I actually told you I wasn't getting a dog. I'm going to evaluate some dogs, uh, meet the kennel owner. See, like, I, I'm like, it's it's the Detroit border specifically, man. It's that holy border. Fuck, I didn't like Detroit. that. Like, my butthole was puckering because it was like, hey, are we going to have some problems here later? Like, 
Dude, Vancouver's bad too. I got turned back there once. That was fucking fun. Oh like, yeah. Nah. Detroit Detroit turns me back and I'm Canadian. Like Detroit yeah. murder has, has been a rough go for me, man. So I, it I can't be uh, that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with getting out of Canada as well. So I'm not. You know. Don't come down here. It's not even that much. I mean, go to, maybe go to Florida and let the other states. Don't come to the West Coast in California. Oh, don't worry. No one was entertaining the thought of coming to see. <laughs> like that wasn't even like a concept. Like no, bro, you guys had to come in like support, bro. <laughs> if they ever open this bitch up again, it was fucking Jesus Christ. It's ironic because I have a ton of clients in California. Like, yeah, um, both of you guys have quite a bit um, over here that are waiting for you guys to come to California, like any day. I, I don't can't even tell you how many messages I get about when's the PCU seminar going to happen down here. And I'm like, I was like, I don't fucking know when California stops being stupid and like they actually let shit happen here. Yeah, yeah it's gonna be a, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> so much fun. All right. Let's add, let's get another question in here. I gotta leave the fucking screen. Here. You have a fancy backdrop, but you're running off a cell phone. Come the fuck on. Bro, I got too much shit to do. I can't even fuck I can't set my shit up. I gotta like get that OBS thing set up here. OBS. Uh, all right. Here's a question. Then I gotta go take an Nesbeth. Um, why is there no videos of proper correction? Why is there no videos of proper correction? Um, that's a that's a an odd question. I've seen videos of dogs being corrected. Um, I think I have videos online of dogs being corrected. Uh, I think that the the main I think people shy away from putting those videos online um, because of back potential backlash uh, and people running, you know, these these PETA groups or whoever is, is this month running with something and, and misconstruing the information that's available. Um, but I, I think, again, correction is one of those words that we need to define what that is like uh, you, correction as in something that stops the behavior. Cause I have a lot of videos online um, showing ways of stopping behaviors. Right. Um, so do you mean punishment like it, or do you mean specifically positive punishment, like adding something in um, and, and there's videos, there's a lot of videos online of that as well. Um, I'm, I'm, that's pretty much my answer for that. You want to go um, ahead, Katie? I'm going to say, you know, you're going to see less of it moving forward. And and that's for the sake of the question. I feel pretty comfortable saying, I think we can say the person, uh, they're probably talking about positive punishment, right? They're, they're a correction to stop a behavior. Well, great then and there. Once you use the P word, the dirty, don't say it, Jones, because you'll get booted off. Hold on, you're in California. Um, but if, if, you say, if you say punishment, I'm in Florida, no one gives a fuck. Um, if you say punishment, you're automatically have, going to have problems with, with with public backlash because it's a bad word now. Now, now let, I'll go a step further. However, like with my students, I don't even I don't demonstrate for them punishment for a while. Like I might halfway through the program show them a little something, but the reality is. Uh, 
you're not anyone really responsible isn't going to get into too much of the method because if someone doesn't understand and you know where i'm going with this boys if someone doesn't understand the principles behind it you show them a method and they're fucked and their dog is fucked too so to say well this is how you give a correction you pull at a 45 degree angle at exactly seven and a half pounds of pressure upward this way using the in the lat muscle and that's going to be a correction like no 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 that's not a correction that's like some so what if they do that and it doesn't work then they're back to method shopping again now they're back to well i need another method whereas i like with my students i spend way more time on the principles like well what is punishment what is it? What behavior are you trying to stop? Well, first, have we looked at how we're contributing to the behavior? Does it have a reinforcement history already? Like, does the dog already think it's a good thing to do? All right, why don't we address that first while you work on how to hold the leash, while you work on how to do this, while you work on your timing? I will work with, uh, I'm, mind you guys, now you know, I don't get to see my clients or their fucking dogs. I'm doing this on the goddamn computer. So, I want them to show me good timing using positive reinforcement first. Yeah. Because if you fuck that timing up, we, it's not a big deal. Okay, let's do it better next time. We'll work on it. When they, get, when, I, when they can show me that they have good timing, when they can show me that they're comfortable holding a leash, they're comfortable doing everything, okay, now I know physically you're getting there. Now, the dog might not even be ready for punishment yet because of what stage it is in its learning. I'm not punishing. Like, during obedience, I hardly ever punish. I hardly ever punish during obedience. Why? Because I spend so much fucking time in negative reinforcement after I spent so much time in positive reinforcement that the dog is so crystal clear on what it needs to do that when I finally get into a stage where I feel comfortable that that dog is fluent on the expectations i only have to punish once or twice because honestly if you have to do it more than once is it even punishment so i mean we, we could we could play down that one but by definition it's not punishment it's something else because it didn't stop shit. um and all of that that i just went off if people are like huh what I'm like that's why you won't see a video of me showing a correction because if you yeah. didn't up with everything i just said no. Like, so when I say punishment only works in the presence of the punisher, if you get a confused look on your face, then we can't talk about you're not ready yet. Because if you don't know what the fuck that means, oh my gosh, you say like, woo! <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, tagging on to what like Katie was saying, like for me, like I don't even teach any form of the correction until the, uh, the handler actually knows how to like create the behavior in general. You know, unless we're, you know, luring, we're doing whatever, we're rewarding, we understand the positive reinforcement, then like, okay, cool. Like at that point, unless it's a reactive case, then obviously we got to make sure that we stop that behavior by utilizing either dominant dog collars or whatever we got to do, because um, we get tons of those. Um, but we always want to make sure that we're creating that positive association and understanding of what behaviors that we want from them, especially like obedience. I mean, because it's two different things, you know, like there's obedience and then there's like the reactivity stuff that we deal with. And at that point, like, no one, we got to stop a reactive, a reaction from a dog trying to maul somebody or do whatever the hell they're doing. So we're going to use our corrections. We're going to use our, you know, positive punishment or whatever people are, you know, whatever we're going to label it with that 
you know, we got to stop that, but we also got to make sure they understand like the positive side. So especially when it comes to like puppies, because right now, you know, we're dealing with all the COVID puppies, you know, everyone's like, oh, my dog's doing this. My dog's doing this. My puppy's the way they're being a fucking puppy. Like you understand the timing on how to one reward the behavior um, that we want. Does the dog actually understand the behavior uh, that we want? And like Nesbeth, I even res I, I reference like one of the things that you're saying is like, if you say, you know, plots are down and you do this, what does your dog do? Like, does that, do they go into that down or do they just follow the treat? So understanding the, actually the verbal association with that marker, like, do they understand that? So, like, you know, that's a, that's a big thing too, like for people to understand, you know, it's timing, understanding of what verbal markers that we're saying. Uh, and then, you know, I don't teach my, I don't teach uh, like our clients, like no negative reinforcement. I don't, I don't make, I don't like still them into like those positions because, you know, just teaching them how to mark behaviors in general is a bit, is a, <laughs> it, it, it in itself is a task um so you know teaching them to let's say correct the dog in a position is something that we don't necessarily teach consistently unless it's someone who's you know been working in like sport or like has understanding of that um but you know even going into like you know you know positive punishment you know we, one thing that we don't start off with is that so you know t you know teaching them how to correct the dog and, you know, that's a question we get all the time, like, on Instagram, because you see, like, a lot of luring videos. You see a lot of, like, the bite work videos, like, on our social media. Like, why don't you ever show, like, you know, the corrections of the dogs? Like, because I don't have to fucking correct my dogs all, or the dogs all the time because they spent so much time in the foundation that we don't have to do that. And I'm not going to make a video of me snatching up my, my dog by a prong collar or a knee collar just to make a video. Like, it's just not something that we're going to do. Um, so that's yeah. probably why... Yeah, don't see it because we spend some. I mean, I'll see all three of us here spend all the time that we possibly can building that foundation in a proper way, and you know, utilization of correction uh, and focusing heavily on correction. Like, you know, the you know some of the the people out there that only fo focus on that. You know, it's you know, I think that's a, that's a negative. You don't you don't want to work with someone who's gonna just be like, okay, cool, we're gonna go ahead and you know, like the fucking what's that what's that um, dude uh, the ponytail. Um, uh, oh, the porn guy, Jeff Gilman. The porno. Right. He's a porno. Like he ran porn shops. No way. Uh, Wait, you like, didn't. You didn't know that. No. I didn't know that either. I didn't know that. Either. Well, Come this on, is gonna be really fun. <laughs> know that. There's like, another snip snippet. <laughs> Roman and G, prepare for the lawyers. <laughs> True. No, I, I, I think I think like a lot of times like there's so much you. Know, so much of what we do is teaching dogs behaviors, right? Like we're teaching dogs things. So that's reinforcements. Like we, we're not teaching things with punishment, right? So most of the videos that people are going to see are going to be reinforcers because we're, hey, we're teaching things. And a lot of times, like we talked about with the neutrality, when we're teaching something over here, it has a positive, maybe unintentional impact on stopping or it, kind of teaching a dog a replacement behavior. So when, when we're doing that, a lot of times we unintentionally influence the things where we, and I, I believe in positive punishment. It's an absolute necessity to get reliable behavior. Um, so I don't want this to be misconstrued that I'm saying something else, but so much of, of what we do on a like daily basis is reinforcement, right? Hey, I really like what that dog just did right there. Reinforce, reinforce, like so if you sit there and like, I try and count the reps sometimes when I'm, I'm reinforcing behaviors. So I'd be like, okay, I, this session I got 35 reps of, you know, I'm doing black powder. If you, like, I, I don't even, there's not enough 
reps of positive punishment in a session for me to count. Like it's okay, one and for the four sessions I did with this dog today, there was one time that I used positive punishment maybe. So like it's super outweighed like the reinforcement versus the punishment aspect um, that just numbers wise, it's hard to even really capture. Like well, I mean, and like that's the important thing too. Is like you know, like the important thing that you said is like you know, we're we're focusing it. If you're doing, did you say guns again? Kidding me, mother. Jesus fucking Christ! Every single time, if we're if we're focusing so much more, we're we're building so much more on building behavior and building relationship and building all these other things that we're doing. Um, and, you know, making those things, you're not going to be focused on actual, like, you know, correction. You're focused on, you know, reinforcing building behavior, focused on doing these things. And if you do it right, you don't have to utilize that much correction in there. But if you're doing it wrong and you're just basically like, you know, essentially, you know, correcting, I'll say even positive punishment, hopefully my fucking phone doesn't turn off. Um, but if you utilize that, you know, then chances are you might not be doing it right and like what katie said is like you know if you're not if you're doing it one or two or three times then maybe there's something like is it really you know positive punishment is it really this are they understanding it is that um and you know maybe i go back to the drawing board when it comes to some of the, like the the reinforcers and the stuff that we're doing in the beginning especially with the foundation work i mean because like that's you know the issue that we run into all the time it's like well you don't i don't see you using heavy corrections like why well, correct you know i'll correct the shit of my dog if they fuck up but i make sure i set them up so they don't fuck up well, I think this, and, and this, it's interesting because my brain is already starting to connect to the thing that we were talking about pre-show about topics. And like, I, I know I was asking you guys, like, that's something I always like to talk about with working dog folks. Like, what have you taken from the working dog world into the pet world? You know, and honestly, like, I see way more about, like, there's way more punishment with pet dogs, right? Like, there's way more suppression of behaviors and i've had some seriously deep conversations uh, with some awesome awesome trainers who have gone from working dog to pet dog and i know i have struggled because i started pet dog played with working and then got back into pet so like i've seen i got when i was in working dogs i got to see some really just out of walking privilege to to see some good fit and when I talk to folks who go from working dogs to pet dogs, it's like we share some of the same frustrations where like we're trying to create active, engaged dogs that are hammering through positions and stuff. And it's like, wait, the pet owner doesn't want that. And when we <laughs> like when we look at some of the big money franchises that are, are hammering out board and trains, like fucking like I'm being nice. I'm being fucking nice right now. Like, <laughs> and, and and then it's like, and I I talked with some colleagues, and like we're disgusted at what we're seeing. Like we're disgusted at what's happening to the dogs, the welfare of the animal. But the pet owner's like, fuck yeah! Like you, now it just chills, and it's like, well, they're relying on a lot of punishment and a lot of pressure, and the pet dog actually does need. A significant amount of punishment to begin to look because he's in a pet home. He's probably going to have way more freedom than a working dog is. Yeah. And he's going to come into contact with things that he needs to learn. He can't ever touch. He can't ever do because they could kill him. Like my house is a danger zone for a dog. I have That's a crap. <laughs> I have a kitchen counter. 
I have all kinds of things that could be very dangerous for this animal that isn't programmed to exist in a human household. And for that reason, like punishment has to become a reality. The yep. challenge is just, well, how do we do that? And how do we get the pet owner to understand what punishment is and what it isn't? And the pet owner struggles with their communication in general. Like they barely can reinforce behavior when they get to me. And then of course in my program, like that's what we focus on. Like I drill them with that shit. And by the end, they're fucking awesome. Cause like, I'm awesome. So like, they're good. And like, but punishment is such a small part of it. And people will get confused and they'll say, but KB, you know, like you always say, like, you're not opposed to punishment. How come we haven't been punishing yet? Like punishing what? Like punishing what? The dog hasn't done anything wrong. Like, no, you need to put pressure on, negatively reinforce. Let's create behavior, create. Oh, the jumping, we can punish that. The mouthing or the nipping, well, wait a minute, when are you doing it? Are you waiting till your puppy is super exhausted and tired and now they're just like an ornery toddler? Well, that's your fault. You shouldn't be on the ground like rolling around with them right now. Build the appropriate behavior so that when we do get the punishment, because we got to get there, it'll be so much clearer to the dog, regardless of what method we use. As long as we know the principles, you know, intolerable, inescapable, and contingent upon the behavior that we want them to associate it with. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I think you brought, I mean, the big thing, especially to like, for me, like, I started in rescue um, really young, so I learned only a positive in the beginning. Then I went into fucking shit sin, and like, and then it's like, oh, shit, like, these motherfuckers are helicoptering dogs <laughs> on Broncos. I don't know what the fuck's happening here. Um, this is <laughs> but like you see like the you see what like the results come from so you're like well i mean it can't be that bad the dog's tails wagging they're you know fucking going crazy all this other stuff like they understand you know pain tolerance and all those other things and then you go into you know what we do now anyway and like the big thing especially when it comes to like the transition is understanding like you know there there's different dogs out there there's different understandings out there these dogs understand you know what is what is positive punishment one what is positive reinforcement the other you know what what is that to them and then having them determine exactly what that means in general you know a big thing that we do for like our clients before we even get into utilizing you know correction or positive punishment is understanding like quantity and quality of reward you know so if i'm working with the dog like a pet dog and i want them to stay in like the a place can i use place you know for example for everything you know when i'm working with them and we're doing you know i'm teaching value in place like I have them reward higher value quantity in that place so they understand to be more common, more subdued versus actually, you know, sitting there and just fucking ranking on them with an e-collar or just like correcting consistently. So they understand in their mind, like, oh, hey, the longer I stay here, the longer I do these things, the more I get. And once we start to build that value and understanding in that place and everything like that and where they're at and being calm and being cool in that position, you know, like they start to understand like, okay, here, here, this is where I'm at. But like you know, I think the the value in working from going from working dogs to pet dogs, I mean it's it's invaluable really to have to see all spectrums of dog training, because really like to see someone's different perspective and how they train and what they do and if it works for them and it works for them, it's great because and then especially in the working dog side, you can see all levels of drive, you can see all levels of like you know defense, prey, all these other things, you know the the possession aspect of things that you know a lot of people like, you know the you know just 
everything that you can see in that and going into like the pet world and making sure that we're not like switching into back into that, which I do like on a daily basis, you know, like that's like the, the stuff that like it's makes a good dog trainer. Like, like if you can, if you can switch back and forth, like, and you see those things and you can see like, okay, cool. Like I got to make sure we're manipulating that, but working with the dog that's in front of you and understanding, you know, what is a positive reinforcer to them? What is a, uh, you know, positive punishment or correction? Hopefully the California doesn't shut me down right now. Um, for saying that, um, but, you know, understanding those things and understanding that each dog understands those differently is, you know, it's super, super important. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So I, I don't think it's um, a challenge to get most pet dogs to obey what you're saying. Okay. I, I, I don't think that that's the challenge. What I th- where I think the challenge lies in to have a pet dog happily and willfully obey and wanting to obey what you're asking of them, right? So someone that has never worked with dogs before in their life, uh, you know, they can go follow a step-by-step process and crank a dog into obedience, right? They can crank a dog into downstaying or there's always that or else, right? You can Oh, you're gonna walk in a heel or else. And yeah. To me, there's a level of compassion that just in general, I mean, it's gonna sound kind of hippie-like, uh, that, but that we need to have for these animals, like for these dogs, whether it's a working dog, a pet dog, a, a stray dog. Like we, I want the dogs to experience life without their desires necessarily being crushed. Their soul being yep. sucked out. Highlight real. Like they, they need to want to engage with us. We, we have to teach them to want to do these things. We have to teach them to, hey, it's going to be distracting, but you really actually want to lay down right there and, and stay there for three minutes in this crowd of people. You want to do that, right? Every, you, Katie, Mike, you both know we could take a dog that doesn't want to do that and make them do it, right? And to me, making them is not the answer. Yep. That's not the challenge. That's not the, the challenging part where you become a good trainer is to have a dog that does what you ask of them with enthusiasm and, and encourages you to, hey, come on, let's do this, wanting to engage with you. Like your dog almost being like, give me something to do. Like that's yep. what I took from the, the working dog world and try to apply to the pet dog world. Now that's going to be different levels for, for each dog, right? Some dogs, um, you know, working dogs, we're going to let them be a lot more pushy than we are with a, a pet dog. But ultimately we want that temperament and we want that dog to be who that dog is. Be who you are. These are the boundaries and rules around being who you are. But you're going to actually love what you're doing and what I'm asking you to do. We want to teach them to doing the behavior within itself is rewarding. You know, they want to be there. They want to be in heel position. They want to sit, stay. They want to down. Does that make sense? And that, that's, I mean, that makes perfect sense. I mean, that's the thing that we tell like all of our clients, like, why does your, why should your dog want to work for you? And if the, the media response is because they have to, it's like, nah, like you want them to want to work for you. Like you want them to want to engage. You want them to want to do these behaviors. You want them to be enthusiastic about doing those things. Um, and taking that, like you said, like the compassion aspect of it into play. It's like, you know, these 
dogs are still they're still living beings they still individually think they're in their own manners and you know ways of doing things an application of like you know the a box format is not going to be the way to do it which you know a lot of people who do like these you know you know pump like katie was saying like you know pump out these board entrants consistently it's force training you can you know we can all force a dog to do certain certain things but do they want to work for you and like that's you know perfectly said what nesbeth said you know it's you know that's essentially it well, you know, I'm going to drop something on you. This is, you know, this is original. Why make the dog do what you want him to do when you can instead let him do what you want him to do? You better fucking put my name on that if you type that anywhere, because that shit's mine. <laughs> Copyright. I use Ian Roman highlight rule. <laughs> I use that phrase as a temperament test for who I'm talking to, because what some people will hear is me use the word "let," and people will knee jerk, react, and think I mean permissiveness. Because I'm using the word let. I, there's a reason why I use the words I use, right? Because after I said let him do what you want him to do, because now we go back to Dwight D. Eisenhower who said, you know, leadership is the art of getting someone else to do what you want them to do because they want to do it. And that's real leadership. leadership you know, the other is tyranny. Tyranny is a leader. It's a form of leadership, I suppose, but it's not a form of leadership we should aspire to. Because the true leader is the one who inspires those who follow him or her. And when we're working with our dog, in the beginning, when we're building the relationship, yes, the boundaries, motherfucker, don't fuck with me. Like, hey, 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 hey. Once we get that situated, and I know we got that hierarchy down, now let me show you how wonderful it is to do what I want you to do. Now let me show you how fulfilling it is to be in service to me. Because my species created your species 15 fucking thousand years ago. And like we've spent 15,000 years working together. Let me show you how cool that can be. Once we get it sorted out that you're not going to be humping my leg on Tuesday morning. Like, like that's a that's actually you know what you what you just said too. It's like a lot of people like they always think about like, especially the people that I talk to over here. You know, it's always like, oh well, you know, it's a dog. It needs all this freedom. It needs all this stuff. I was like, nah. Like, we created this dog to be biddable. We created this dog to be understanding. We created this dog to be a companion and all those things and a partner and everything we're doing. You know, the reason why these dog has these issues is because of what we've done. We've not we've undone a lot of like the. You know the routine the the actual respect like what kitty was saying is like you know the actual respect and understanding of our relationship and creating that you know okay cool like you can't do this stuff but we need, we want you to do these things and a lot of it especially especially and i see it in california all the time they're probably gonna blow me off here again um is that you know it's that it's that mentality of like okay cool like let them be wild dogs like these motherfuckers aren't wild like <laughs> They're Wait, fucking dogs. They're let them be a dog. Anybody who says let a dog be a dog, I question whether that not they know what a dog is. Yeah, what do you mean? What do you mean by let them be a dog? Man? Exactly. What is let them be a dog? 
So actually, let's let's stack let's let's put that in here. Okay. What is let them be a dog? What is let what is a dog? Well, I know how I define dog, right? I have a whole fucking twenty minute presentation in my course on this. Like I I say I go how the one of the the, the powerpoints or the slides is how to spell dog. It's, and then the subtext that says it's not D-O-G. And people are like, well, what? Like what? And I'm like, yeah, you don't spell dog D-O-G. I spell dog highly social opportunistic predator scavenger, aka symbiotic parasite. Like that's what a dog is. Like so when you say let a dog be a dog, that means he's gonna eat feces of various species, including his own. And He's going to want to chew, destroy, chase, hunt, kill. Like, you want that in your condo? So you, you want him to be a dog? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. But take take him to the dog park and and, and let him be a dog. Let's see how he got you, right? When he starts hunting and chasing and killing over there. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, I, you know, obviously everything that everyone has said, <laughs> said in general, but like that. The aspect of the fact that we created them to be like you know these biddable beings and all these things that want to please and work but we're giving them that freedom and sorry, it's like what you guys just said we want them to let them be a dog so we're missing like a crucial point in like what the purpose of a dog is and what we can actually do to actually give them like that you know that very that clarity on like okay cool i can be a dog and i can do this but it's something that we created them to be a dog because we created dog you know in that aspect of that especially you know the know what we have now all right let's get another always with the us we always let's see what do we have uh you guys want to get another question off yeah all right so i don't have to tap my phone someone can someone when you guys read it off yes, Beth, i already like i empowered you with the question reading skills with your yeah i don't know how to do the answered so I'm... Let's see here. All right. What what to do if a dog ignores food while on a training session out in public? I have a quick answer for you. So at that point, like, what are you going, Nisbeth? No, you go ahead. Go ahead. So if I'm in public, dog ignores food, then I kind of have to reevaluate as far as what I did at that point. If I'm bringing a dog out, uh, especially like my boarding trains, and you know like that's their meal for the day like i'm gonna bring them out they're gonna ignore food and like we're not gonna engage we're gonna basically scale what my level of introduction to things are so in the beginning start from far away start working engagement bring them into like you know more populated or kind of increase my distance into public and go from there typically if i rush a dog into a situation all of a sudden especially if it's a reactive dog that means i haven't done my back i haven't done my foundation work that i need to do and i need to scale back and go into where i need to be at so if a dog kind of just blows me off at that point i'll bring it back to where i need to go see if i'm going to work if they're not going to work they're too overly enthralled with everything that's going on we're in the crate and we're going home that's pretty much just going to go and that's going to be that's essentially what we're going to do but in general for the most part, you know, I, I do a slow introduction, especially with, with reactive dogs, uh, to make sure that they're engaging with me and they're working for their meals, like in these areas. Um, and then I just kind of slowly bring them into those situations. And then obviously, if they're reacting, I got to give certain levels of correction and things. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if they're refusing food, that's one thing. But if that food isn't the value until you have something else as well, um, to make sure I have a backup plan. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, like, for, it, it literally is just a slow introduction to the, into the process and, you know, kind of just figuring out what's wrong, what's with the dog, you know, what's going on with the dog in front of me. Because we get a variety of different dogs that we work with that, you know, one, we got a puppy who well, doesn't give a shit about anything else and like they're full or whatever. And like, that's what's going on. And like, we're just out and about and there's no, I don't let people touch my dogs, especially the boarding trains. Um, and then, you know, if I have a dog who's highly reactive, who's a boarding train with me as well, um, you know, I'll start in the beginning, make sure that they're on me and we're working, you know, that and a, a distance. And then I slowly start to increase my distance or decrease my distance um, and, you know, build from there. But as soon as dog blows me off, okay, cool. It's over. Go back in the crate. We're gonna we'll we'll check in on this later. You can go ahead, KD. Mm -hmm. My thing is, if the dog blew off your food, then you already fucked up because you didn't identify what the dog wanted. And it's our job to always know what our dogs want in any given moment. And that can change from moment to moment. And let's define a moment. A moment can be a fraction of a motherfucking second. So if I am working with a dog in any context, this isn't fancy. I got a freaking spazzy pet dog who's got some issues. Okay, typical. That's like status fucking quo. That's a $5,000 board and train right there, fellas. So, you know. The minute that dog turns down food, the very first thing that goes off in my head is I fucked up because I shouldn't have offered food to a dog who doesn't even want it because my job is to know that he doesn't want it because I've read him and my job is to know what he wants in every single second of his life. So if he's turning down food, there was an error in the management of that training scenario before it even started. There was an error in the relationship and understanding and being able to read that dog to recognize what he wanted in that given moment. And right then and there, what, okay, so let's get right down to, you know, nothing more. If you're in a training session and the dog re refuses food, call a fucking timeout. Because you as the handler, as the trainer, as whatever, need to walk away from that situation and stop it right there. Because the fact that you offered food to a dog who didn't want it meant you missed some signals, which means you're probably going to miss a couple more, which means you should stop that training scenario right there and reflect. Just reflect. It doesn't, I mean, I'm not saying it's life or death or dramatic. Reflect on how you missed something you should have seen. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, 100% agree with. I think if you get to a point, everything both of uh, these guys just said. If you get to a point uh, where the dog's refusing food, uh, you've already went to the wrong place. Uh, you know, distance and proximity. Yep. Yeah, yeah, there's so many things that that can be affecting that. But the dog's not ready for where you're at yet. If if they're taking food in other environments and they're refusing food in that environment. The, the other thing outside of that is I never beg a dog to take food from me. So you, you have a, you got a split second to get this food that I'm offering you. If you don't take it, I messed up, but I'm not going to you to please take it. You, take now it. that food's gone. Please and, take it. Take it. <laughs> they're opportunists, like uh, KD said. So we need to use that in our training. We need to say, hey, this is an opportunity that you had to get this food. You lost that opportunity now. 
Um, and it's not just a readily available, for, it's the same as free feeding, right? Like, no, this is, we, once we've gone past, we shouldn't have been there in the first place, but we're there, we're there now. I'm definitely not begging you to take this food and I'm resetting what we have going on and uh, looking at that, what was the cause of that? There can be a lot of, you know, things, but generally it's competing motivators. Um, the dog wants something obviously more than he wants that food or he cares about something more than he cares about eating that food from you. And, and the other thing I would add, I mean, like, obviously, like, everything that we're saying is great, but, like, the other thing I would add even as well is that, like, why does the dog view other things more important? You know, what? Do, how do we create the value in other things outside of us? You know, like, it, you know, that's where, you know, people who do, like, you know, the dog park thing, like, we talked about the 100 people, 100 dog thing, like, yeah, it's like, if you're bringing them out to a public place and you put that dog in front of 100 people and they're touching them and giving them all the baby talk and, oh, da, 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 and like, you know, they're playing with other dogs and, and you go out to a public, like, why the fuck's that dog want to pay attention to you? <laughs> because they've already gotten so much higher value reward from, you know, these other people and these other things that now have some form of association of value because we didn't do the work that we needed to do in general. And like, that's like a big thing that we deal with over here at least. Um, is that people have like these like the the other motives and the other things like okay I want my dog to be out and be friendly with everybody it's like no you want your dog to be out and be neutral or neutral um, with everybody and be neutral in these environments and the way you determine that is by not allowing them to find value in other things or other people or other dogs and all that other shit so that would be a the other ad thing I would add on that yep. okay, what do we got on this one. <laughs> Get those t-shirts made, KD. Yeah. Don't touch my fucking dog. Have you guys ever seen the YouTube video of that pseudo dog trainer? Um, oh, gosh. What's his fucking name? He's from Brooklyn. He's up in New upstate uh, Brooklyn, upstate New York. He's like a comedian. His YouTube channel is half dog training and half, like, tracking down Sasquatch videos. He does what? How did I miss this great Peter, Peter Kane. Peter motherfucking Kane. I gotta look that shit up. Let me tell you something. And I don't care. Like, yeah, shout out to you, Peter Kane. Even though, like, some like when you watch him with a dog, it's kind of painful because it's like, what are you fucking doing? But it's the most entertaining YouTube fucking channel there is. And he goes on this rant one time about people petting his dog. Oh, I I seen that video. I know who you're talking. You about. want to pet my dog? Go get your own fucking dog. Yeah. <laughs> like, my dog's working. He's trying to do his thing. You're trying to distract him. You're an asshole. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy. Why is, would I see this? Then two videos later, he's at this house at his farm in upstate New York, talking about how he had sex with Sasquatch. So, like, he's either mentally and no, listen, he's either mentally insane. Or he is a comedic fucking genius because I I respect intelligent humor when people can like really conduct themselves that way where you're like are you for real or are you being like I'm looking that shit up tonight or are you insane? I only that that. I didn't see the Sasquatch videos. I seen the one when he's talking about my dog. It's my dog. Get your get your own fucking dog. <laughs> I will make these shirts though. I will. I got I got a fresh batch of new shirts I just designed now um through Teespring playing playing with that one. Um and, and once I figure out what who I like the most, like this was printful. I like the direct the garment, like the colors are nice, it's it's good. Um 
I got some fucking cool ideas for all you jokers out there that want to rep some fucking dog shit and like really like, give it to those people. Get, don't pet my fucking dog. <laughs> All right, guys. I went, well, shit, we're running up on two hours here. Yeah, two so, hours is long enough. People got to take a shit. Yeah. <laughs> so let's wrap it up here. Uh, again, thanks for you guys being on. Always appreciate you guys. We got to make this uh, a normal thing here. Um, sure. You know, the guys will be in touch and we'll get everything going. Thanks for everyone who watching, uh, watching these episodes, taking, you know, two hours out of their fucking lives to watch us once a week and do all this stuff. Um, and again, you know, every day we're trying to make these things better and, you know, try to you know, get the process better too. So, you know, thanks everybody for being on. Make thanks sure you for having us. Yeah, yeah, man, thanks you know, for having us all, all day, man. We're, we, uh, you know, we're just out here trying to make shit work and make shit better. So, you know, thanks to KD. Uh, make sure you follow him. Make sure you follow Michael Nesbitt, um, K9 Mike, and um, Grassroots K9, all that other stuff. Uh, and you know, just all of our things that we're doing. So, uh, thanks again, guys. And then I will see you offline, fellas. All right. All right man. Thank you to all the viewers. Thank you very hey, much. Thank you, thank you guys. guys. Thank you guys for in your question. I'm watching. And then Roman's like, this is the point where I haven't been online at all tonight. Now. <laughs> Turn this shit off, Roman. <laughs> Let's all say some inappropriate shit that's going to be on air. We won't know it. <laughs> all right.